Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Do you realize that no matter how bad you or I have messed things up in the past, our God is still able. No matter what mistakes that we've made in the past, our God is still able. He can turn, yes, even our disasters into miracles. He can turn our failures into victories. He can turn our loss into glorious gain. Today, we will learn the story of Achan, a man whose sin brought judgment to the whole nation of Israel. They had just defeated the powerful city of Jericho when Achan disobeyed and stole from the Lord. Filled with self-confidence and unaware of Achan's secret sin, Joshua didn't ask the Lord what they were supposed to do next, all of which led to him losing the easiest of all battles. Pastor David will teach today that when we surrender our mess to Jesus, whatever it is, He will fix it and turn it into miracles. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The Devastation of Sin. get to a point in your life where you are your own worst enemy. You know that some of the things you're doing, some of the things you've done, some of the actions, some of the attitudes, suddenly you have set yourself up. You can't turn around and say, it was the devil that made me do that. The reality is, is you made you do that. You've made a decision, you've made a choice, and suddenly now you've got to live with the consequences of that. So I think that there's only like maybe three or four of us here in the auditorium today that have been there, but the fact is, is that happens to us many times. I'm honest to say, it happens too many times. And a lot of times, if it were just ourselves that got damaged by the foolishness of our actions, that would be bad enough. But the problem is, it's just like uh, John Doan's poem, No Man is an Island. More often than not, the mistakes, the things that we do, the actions that we take that, again, cause damage. It's not just to us, but people around us get damaged too. This is demonstrated for us tonight as we look at the events surrounding a man named Achan. And Israel as a nation, they, they actually lived as a community of people. They really did live, act, breathe, work, worshipped everything as a community of people. A community where the Lord worked and moved among the people as a whole. And when the nation of Israel prospered, then the people of Israel prospered. And when an individual within Israel sinned, as we're going to see tonight, it brought judgment on the nation. 
And nowhere is that shown more clearly than in the battle of Ai, here as we see in the book of Joshua in chapter 7. I invite you to turn there tonight. I hoped actually to get through chapter 7 and 8, because 8 is the positive side of chapter 7. We're not going to get there tonight, okay? We're going to end on kind of a negative note, but it is going to hopefully be a note of just understanding and awakening for us as we look at, again, what this man Achan did and how the Lord handled things. So in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed, or actually the devoted things. Catch that right away. What does it say? The the children of Israel committed a trespass. That gives us a clue of understanding of the community bond that was in Israel. Something that you and I in our Western culture really don't really comprehend that well, particularly out in Arizona. We're rugged individualists, and, you know, we stand or fall on our own. And in other areas of the country, there's more of a community feel. There's more of a family interaction than I think that we find out here in the West. There's a lot of that individualism out here. In Israel, it's totally different, particularly in these days. That's why Jewish people have a hard time when you and I speak about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, again, for them, God is the God of Israel. It's not an individual God. He's a God of the people, the people. And so, because that's their mindset, that's their understanding. Again, no man is an island. No man stands by himself. We are one together as a community, as a community of people. And that's the Israeli thought. So, as we get into this, just continue to bear that in mind. The children of Israel committed to trespass regarding the accursed or the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed or the devoted things. And the reason I keep saying accursed or devoted, we'll see a little bit later as we get into what he actually took. We're going to see that there was some things that were to be destroyed, some things that were to be devoted to the Lord, okay? So he took of these things, and so the anger of the Lord burned against who, church? The children of Israel. Wait a minute, it was his sin. He ain't responsible for his own sin. But understand, again, the complexity of community and how that impacts the story. Israel as a whole was regarded as acting unfaithfully due to the sin of one man, Achan. Because of the sin of one man, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Israel as as a whole, they had just experienced this great, this major victory over at uh, Jericho. The destruction of that big, that mighty, that fortress known as Jericho. It was the first victory in the promised land as they came over. The victory came again as a community of people came together, not so much by sword and shield, and we looked at that last week. It wasn't because they had big weaponry to come and attack him. No, but it was the spirit, and it was the work, and it was the hand of God for the people of Israel that gave them that victory. It was the Spirit of the Lord who went before them and gave them the victory, and the walls came a-tumbling down. 
Okay. Now we got the Battle of Jericho out and we were away from that. So now we can move on. As we go forward, we need to remember the command of the Lord was very, very clear for them as far as the bounty or the spoils of that city when they came and and they got the victory over the city and what they were supposed to do with it. You've got your Bible there, hopefully to chapter 7. Just look probably across the page or a page back behind you in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. In verse 18 and 19, it gives us the Lord's command to the people about what to do with the spoils of the victory. In verse 18, the Lord's speaking to the children of Israel, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you're going to make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. And then prior to that, he says, otherwise, you burn everything. You just destroy everything. It was one of, I believe, three cities in the promised land that they were told to burn it totally to the ground. Well, the problem is, is one man, Achan, felt that he could get away with his little hidden sin and not affect either himself or any of the community. And it all seemed to go pretty well for a short time, and our sin is that way. A lot of times we, we might get into a sin or do or say a certain thing, and we think, well, we got away with that. You know, lightning didn't come down from heaven. I'm okay. I snuck through that one. Maybe God didn't see that. Maybe he was busy taking care of uh, Mike that day, and so I got away with this one. You know, uh, No, more often than not, the reality is, is no, uh, the consequences of our sin still awaits us. I look at it this way. It's the long-suffering and the mercy of God that he doesn't whack every one of us you know, throughout the day. It is the long-suffering and mercy of God that says, hey, you, you blew it there. Straighten up, get right, come on, let's, let's get back on track here. All seemed to be going well until there came a time for another battle. When another battle came about, this is where the consequences of Achan's sin really showed up. Just up the road from Jericho was this small city of Ai. This city, though, it was small in size, and it didn't have much of a population. It had actually been in existence since before the time of Abraham. So if you figure they were in Egyptian captivity for 400-plus years, they wandered through the desert for 40-something years, and long before they went into captivity was Abraham, years and years, generations before that. So 500, 600 years at least the city was old. Ai had been an established city, but it's a small city. It's also local located about 10 miles kind of up the hill from Jericho. Jericho was down on the plain. So this little city, 10 miles up the hill, guess what? They could see kind of the stuff that's going on in Jericho. They were familiar to the fact that Jericho had just been wiped out by these Hebrew children that had come across. Ain't nobody wiped out Jericho in the past. I mean, Jericho was this fortified, this powerful, this mighty city. And now you're looking, you're this little city up on the hill with not a whole lot of protection. And you look down there and you say, whoa, they just took out Jericho. 
Well, you can kind of imagine where your mindset is at that point in time. If they can take out Jericho, it isn't going to be anything for us at this point in time. The people of Ai had seen that. They understood that. I think that they learned very quickly that Israel did not take any survivors. They took no prisoners of war at this point in time. Remember, they were to kill everybody in Jericho. And knowing that Israel wasn't going to take any prisoners, they would have been ready to fight, I mean, absolutely fearlessly. I know you're not going to let me live, so I might as well fight with everything that I've got. And I'm going to fight you fearlessly the moment you come toward us. And they would have seen Israel coming because Israel would have come from the plains coming up the hill to Ai. What should have been, though, easy pickings for the army of Israel if the Lord of Israel was with them, it ended up being an absolute devastation. Look what happened. Verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Hey, we don't need everybody to go up there. Let's just let two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So that gives you an understanding of the size of that city at this point in time. Verse 4, so about 3,000 men went up from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. The hearts of which people? The people of Ai? No. The hearts of Israel, the ones who had just had this great victory over here in Jericho, now they go up against this little city of Ai and they get spanked. I mean, Ai turns and now 36 of those men are now dead. It would appear as though Joshua did the right thing. I mean, he surveyed the situation out first. He sent a couple of spies up there to check it out. And they did the same thing, you know, like that they did in reference to Jericho. Sent out a couple of uh, spies just to kind of check it out. A little uh, convoy to go up and and see what's happening, what we're going to be going against. The spies came back and said, hey, this is going to be, like my granddaughter says, Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I mean, it's just going to be really easy to just go up there, take these guys out. It's not going to be any issue. Everybody else, you guys just stay at home, have some iced tea. Uh, About 3,000 of us, we're going to go up there, take care of AI. We'll be back in time for dinner. That kind of an attitude. It was going to be just a, I mean, it was not going to be any kind of a battle at all. But the question we need to ask at this, hey, Joshua, did you happen to pray about this? Did you happen to seek the Lord about this? Or did you just do what seemed logical in the eyes of man? Gang, I want to take a little break right here on this and say logic in the world's eyes makes absolute sense. In the Christian's eyes, it can get you into a lot of danger. Because logically, it might seem like you need to do this and this. But maybe that's not what the Lord wants you to do. Or logically, it might be, no, you don't want to do this. But that might be the very thing God does want you to do. You see, logic will get you in trouble many times. 
It's the Spirit of God knowing that the Spirit of God is there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that he sent spies up there to look over the situation. Very good. Good choice. Good surveillance to go and see what you're up against. But you better make sure that the Lord is with you when you move forward in areas and situations of life. The decisions that you make in life. Yeah, go ahead. Man, chart down the pros and the cons and kind of look and see. But before you make any decision on anything, seek the Lord above all wisdom of man. Seek the Lord's direction. And again, you wonder, Joshua, did you do that? Whatever the situation is with Joshua, the Bible makes it very clear that it wasn't the fault of Joshua. Joshua wasn't the one who was in trouble here. The fault lies completely at the tent door of Achan. And however, Joshua and the elders of Israel, they're not aware of what was going on. They're not aware of what Achan had done right after the victory of Jericho. I mean, now they, they see as they've sent these 3,000 men up to Ai, this defeat, and they don't know what's happening. They saw the heartbreak of the people as they saw the death of 36 men impacting very possibly 36 different families or so. Their heartbreak, why? Because their men, their husbands, their fathers, or their children are now dead. Why are they dead? Should we have gone up there, Joshua? What was the situation? And I'm sure Joshua, as a good leader, man, he's tearing himself up because this was a battle that they should have won easily. Remember the battle of Jericho? We we read the biblical account. There, There were no lives of the men of Israel that were lost in Jericho. As big a battle, as as big a city and a fortress as that was, there were no lives of Israel lost. It was a much bigger battle, a stronger enemy. And yet here with this little city of Ai, 36 of Israel's fighting men lost their lives. So Joshua and the elders are pretty much beside themselves. They they don't know what to do, and so they begin praying. Verse 6 says, Joshua tore his clothes. He fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God. Okay, you should have hushed right there, Joshua. But he didn't. He continued on. Listen to his prayer. Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we would have been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Are you kidding me, Joshua? (laughs) I mean, what happened to this be strong and be of good courage? What happened to the fact of Joshua as one of the spies? No, the Lord gave us that land. Man, we need to go in and take it. Now all of a sudden, he got spanked. And now, like a little child, he says, you know, I want to go back home. I want to take my ball. I want to go back home. Man, we should have been content to stay out in the wilderness. But Joshua, that's not where God was leading you. And you know yourself, Joshua, that's not God's promise. But it's amazing how we will get when the enemy comes and attacks us. We'll take the very things that we know are true, and suddenly, man, I don't know where that went, but now I'm looking at something totally different, and maybe I'd fall into a great little pity party like Joshua did, and, you know, woe is me, you know, I'm totally undone. What am I going to do now? Instead of understanding, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was the promise of God? The promise of God or the direction of God or the call of God in my life with this and that or thus and so. 
and I've faced a roadblock here. I've, I've faced a battle. What am I going to do with that? Am I just going to say, oh, it was so hard, I went home? Or do we say, you know what? I believe that God has called us still on that. And so when it's hard, we press on. We seek the face of the Lord. We seek the strength and the direction of the Lord. And we seek Him to give us that ability to be able to press in on what He's called us to press in on. He says, bring us over here to destroy us? Joshua, you know better than that. You know that that's not the truth. Oh, if we would have just been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Joshua, you're starting to sound like that previous generation that did not make it through the wilderness. Do you understand what a ground you're standing, a shaking ground you're standing on right here, Joshua? You're starting to sound like the murmurers and the complainers and the whiners that did not come across because, again, their lack of faith. Verse 8 goes on. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us, and they're going to cut off your name from the earth. And then what will you do for your great name? Oh, God, you are in such great trouble. What in the world are you going to do now? Your name and your reputation, God, are going to be tarnished. God, you're in such trouble here. I don't know how you're going to deal with this. Do you see how Joshua, because of a defeat in his life, has suddenly got his thinking into a stinking mode. And stinking thinking will always get you in trouble. Whenever you don't get your thinking correct and moving right, as long as you allow the enemy to pull you into stinking thinking, you're not going to be making the right decision. You're not going to be making the right choices. If you're in a pity party mood, do not make decisions in the midst of that. Please, I beg of you. Do not make decisions in your life when you are in that kind of a situation where everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I think I'll go eat worms kind of mentality in your life. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. I love what happens with Joshua. Even though what he says, it sounds so silly. And you wonder, Joshua, don't you feel that God is more than able to take care of himself? Don't you feel that God is more than able to take care of his great name? <laughs> Worst case scenario, Joshua, he's going to wipe you all out and start all over again with a whole other group of people. I mean, he is God after all. Do you realize that no matter how bad you or I have messed things up in the past, our God is still able no matter what mistakes that we've made in the past, our God is still able. He can turn, yes, even our disasters into miracles. He can turn our failures into victories. He can turn our loss into glorious gain. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about when you and I surrender our mess into his hand. Don't try and fix your mess. That, because more often than not, you try to fix your mess without the Lord's directing and leading in it, all you're going to do is just stir up the mess more and more. And you know what happens when you stir a mess up? It just starts to stink more and more. Get back 
to the Lord. Understand, the Lord is able to take, yes, even that mess. He can move forward in that. He is God, and he does not depend upon man. Let me give that to you again. He is God. He does not depend upon you. hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you were looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.